Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome back to the Toe Meets Leather Podcast. I'm Logan, and here with me today, we've got a special guest, my dad, Pat Sandor. How are you doing today, Pat? Hey, I'm doing great. Busy day today in Atlanta, and uh, but it's it's really good for the season. is really, you know, warming up and starting to look like it could be a lot of fun again this year. I know. It's, uh, it's getting closer as uh, time moves on. And as always, we've got our guest, Artem. How you doing today, Artem? Hey, Logan. Just waiting for the United States-Mexico matchup coming up in about 30, 45 minutes. Did you catch the USA-Netherlands match earlier today? I did. No comment. Really? I thought you'd be pretty excited. They're expected to win. It's a disgrace if they don't. You know, I, I really want to say something, but you're right. When you're right, you're right. Anyhow, this week we're getting into the team talk topics. So I wanted to get my dad on here for an Alabama evaluation. Obviously, Arnhem's a big Texas A&M fan. And I'll weigh in a little bit with uh, some Georgia Tech thoughts since Andrew couldn't be with us today. But uh, to start things off, we want to get into uh, the big the big one, I guess, for Alabama. How was the performance last year? going to make everything, put anything into perspective coming into this year. Obviously, I think Pat, coming off of uh, what many would consider to be an embarrassing loss in the championship, uh, even though you got there, I'm not sure how uh, Alabama feels about things coming off of a loss like that. Uh, what, what do you think this does for the coaches and for the players? And how does the fan base feel? You know, I'm, I'm one of those diehard fans, been around watching this game for a long, long time with Bama involved in big games. And I'll refer back to 92 when Bama beat Miami 34-13 to in the Sugar Bowl to win the national title. I suspect Bama is this year kind of in that same uh, role. But a popular sports writer uh, at that time wrote that Bama had demystified the Miami program and, and truthfully, Miami was never really the same after being beat like that in the national championship game. see that from Bama. I think uh, the, the beat down that we took at Clemson's hands uh, was, uh, was embarrassing and, and was disappointing as a fan. And, and I know the players were disappointed as well. But uh, I think the real difference this year is that the Bama program isn't going to fold or, or, you know, pick up and go away. Instead, they're going to come back with uh, more determined and reloaded with more talent. I think on the, you know, you, you don't make you don't make uh, rational reason out of a team not playing up to their standard. But uh, I would say if if I was traveling. In, weeks out of the year and uh, and had to go out and, and beat a pathway to success against some really good teams, I'd probably wear down. Everybody would, you know, and they just had a slip at the wrong time. Uh, I don't know why they couldn't get motivated, but I, I'm going to say it this way. I would give the credit to Clemson because they stepped out there and earned it, and I think that they were the more determined team, not just in that one day, but listening to their coaches and their and their players talk after that win, they were 
this was a schedule uh, that they practiced all year long for and that they prepared on Bama. They, they literally believed they would be playing Alabama in that game uh, before the season began. And they prepared for that day in and day out a little bit. And I think they were just the best prepared team at the end of the, uh, at the, end of the game. Well, I'm glad to see that it hasn't lost your motivation here. I think a lot of people would be a little torn up, but it sounds like you you think that the players have got spark and you certainly are motivated to see what comes out of this season. You're not really worried about everything. You're still thinking Clemson as far as uh, the target to beat, it sounds like. You know what? I don't know who we would pick for sure other than Clemson, but, uh, you know, when I start, I'm kind of like the coaches uh, at Bama, when I start looking down the list of teams that we play this year, I sure hope they don't spend too much time looking at Clemson, uh, you know, as they progress through the season. Uh, we've got a schedule that uh, takes us right through the heart of the SEC's best. And uh, two weeks in, we're still kind of on a float. But after the third week or fourth week of the schedule, from there to the very end, there's only one soft game. And so I think that they can spend a little bit of their time looking ahead, but they really need to stay focused. Teams don't show up to lose to Bama. They all want to beat Bama. The sign that says beat Bama because it inspires our players too much, but in their hearts, all those teams come to play. and They play at a higher level than they'll play at any other game of the season. So we really do need to stay prepared. But, yes, to answer your question, I do think it's very likely it could be Clemson and Alabama again uh, in the uh, in the national championship. I'm going to jump to one side topic right here. Did a miraculous thing and was an incredible guy holding out with Bama for a year. He's going to bring a new element to the Oklahoma program, and I, I'm going to say there's a real chance that uh, Oklahoma will be back in that uh, playoff again as well. Yeah, you went out on a little static there, but I assume you're talking about Hertz at Oklahoma. Um, That's right. I mean, Hertz really is, uh, you know, did himself and the Bama team a great service by uh, by staying on board. And and even though we only played a support role, we wouldn't have gotten to the national championship game without him as a backup. So uh, I do think that uh, that he will bring the same kind of thing to Oklahoma, and I think there's a real good chance that that Oklahoma will be once again in the playoffs. All right. Well, speaking of one of those teams that uh, is always got Alabama, sees the target on Alabama's back, uh, Artem, Texas A and M. I I'd be lying if I said I remember how their season ended. I know. Y'all did actually pretty much pretty well this season for for uh, standard teams, but the story for Texas A&M has consistently been uh, raising expectations to the next level, beating Alabama, making it to the playoff. So I guess uh, a bowl game, win or loss, some people might view it as a little disappointing, but I guess I want to get your perspective as a fan. What do you think? of the end of last year and where where are your targets moving forward? First of all, Alabama is going to win the national title this year. Thanks for asking. Well, I'm, I'm a little shocked. I, you usually talk about how Texas A&M is actually going to beat Alabama. 
oh, we're going to beat them, but that's going to be the one loss on the record, and then they're going to go and win the national title. Oh, okay. Well, now that we've got that out of the way, all right, do you want to talk about your team a little bit? Do you want to ask me why I'm saying this? <sighs> you you don't – well, I kind of wish Andrew was here to ask you this, but go ahead. Why, why are you saying this? All right. Due to the, the old conspiracy theory – the Patriots won in 14, Alabama won in 15, Patriots won in 16, Alabama won in 17, Patriots won in 18, so now it's Alabama's turn. Just the last six years, Alabama and the Patriots have traded off who wins the big bowl, right, the the Super Bowl or the national championship. So it's Alabama's turn this year because the Patriots won this past year. Huh. Well, what happens if the Patriots win this year? Then it finally breaks a six-year streak. That's been coming to fruition. <laughs> I guess Bill Belichick and Saban got something planned out. But uh, anyway, all right. Thank you for enlightening me, Artem. <laughs> what? Let's let's get back to Texas A and M though. So what? You're welcome. <laughs> all right. Um, let me pull some. So just to remind you of how the season went, finished pretty decent. Uh, beating NC State in a bowl game, but they were missing three of their key players, so I wouldn't say it was a fair game to start when you're a leading linebacker, you're leading wide receivers out. Uh, I don't really remember if their quarterback played. I think he did because he got drafted. But we whooped up on them 52-13. to 13. Nobody remembers that because the game before that was an LSU game, which I don't think the votes are in yet, but it's up for an SP for game of the year based on the 74-72 score. So I'd say that was a pretty good win. I think the biggest takeaway from the season was beating LSU for the first time since joining the SEC in Jimbo's first year. So that's always big. And then the second one was winning at home. We, aside from the games that everybody pretty much knew we were going to lose, either fought really hard at home or actually won at home. An example of that is the Clemson game, lost by two points at home. The rest of the games beat Kentucky in overtime. That was a big game, big win, kind of pulled it out. Higher-ranked Kentucky, kind of big year, a lot of seniors, redshirt seniors coming in. And, I mean, that's kind of the main thing is we won at home a lot, and we beat the teams that we're supposed to beat in November, which is something that someone couldn't do. So I would say the expectations are a little up this year because of that. I mean, honestly, looking at y'all this year, I – uh, and I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong. You're, you've got a lot of talent coming back. Uh, honestly, and we're going to talk about this in a second, but Alabama is missing a lot of talent. A lot of these teams had a lot of their talent go to the NFL. Uh, I've honestly been looking at y'all not even necessarily as a dark horse. In Jimbo's second year, this really could be y'all's year to come out. But uh, you, I, I've obviously got a different perspective on it living in North Carolina, so – I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I, I would be I would be really hopeful about an SEC West championship if I was a Texas A and M fan. I mean, absolutely. I think that's where we're hoping for, and that's kind of the goal that we're shooting for. But I think it's a I don't know if it's unrealistic. I think it's too soon. Jimbo's still building up talent, like you said. I do agree with you, and, and I think we've discussed this at length before is usually the biggest improvement in a program comes between the first and second year. And 
it's not necessarily about the facts and the numbers that we're talking about here. It's about how does this year look at the end of it? Are you, even if you lose to Bama, even if you lose to Clemson, even if you lose to Georgia and LSU, were you happy with the level of effort you saw from the team in this year? I think we're at least going to pull at least one of those wins out. All, all four of those teams are big teams that heavily out-recruited us in the past. But you, if you are able to pull out another one of those wins, even if it's just LSU for the second year in a row, that's a statement right there. That's fair. I mean, you gotta you gotta keep it to uh, keep it to the fundamentals. Just win the games you you want to win, and so get some upsets in the uh, games you're expected to lose. And then uh, hopefully the fan base will be happy with that because I know how rabid y'all are out there. But uh, yeah, I think the end of the schedule is going to be really key because we play LSU and Georgia in back-to-back games, and if one of those games is an emotional game, you know we're probably it's going to be interesting to see if we fall apart in the game after that. So if we play Georgia close, beat them, or lose close, how do we play in the LSU game immediately after that? Uh, we got lucky, I would say, playing LSU at the end of the season last year because it was such an emotional game and it lasted seven overtimes. It's hard for a team to come back after the game and win. But we got lucky. This is the last game of the year. Hey, man, uh, you know that I am always rooting for a team to beat Georgia. But uh, that does bring me. I want to go ahead and talk about my team real quick. I kind of wish again, wish Andrew was here because he could probably go into more details. It was a rough end to the season last year. I mean, we made a bowl game, but obviously we lost uh, Paul Johnson's last game against Minnesota of all people. Paul Johnson left, but. At least he left on a high note, giving us some funds to actually go out and get another coach. Uh, Jeff Collins is an interesting one coming into this year because he's done a lot for recruiting at Georgia Tech. And I am cautiously optimistic to see what the future holds. But I think it's fair to say that uh, our expectations are pretty low this year. Um, As Andrew would put it, we going to suck. So I'm not really sure what to think. I, I do think we'll win more than four games, possibly make a bowl game, but a lot's, it's going to be a rough road, especially after the first game starting off the year against Clemson. It, that's not going to be a fun one to uh, watch if you're a Georgia Tech fan. Uh, we'll, see, we'll see what happens. I don't know that they're going to be as by 38 points, but if they don't, it's purely because they don't like running up the score. So <laughs> we'll see. Um, anyway... Let's get back to uh, the other team. Let's get back to the other teams. So, Pat, going back to Alabama, we just talked briefly about how they're reloading a lot on defense. Uh, we had actually talked before the cast had started about how a lot of players had left for the NFL. Are there any players that you're watching going into this season, uh, players that are going to define your season, other than maybe like Tua, perhaps? Uh, are there anybody you're really keeping an eye on? You know, since you started into the line on defense, I'll start there. Um, you know, you, you were, we were right on in the earlier conversation. The NFL walks into the Alabama defensive uh, huddle and pulls, you know, the bulk of their players every year. And uh, it happened again this year. And, uh, you know, it's. I just guess it's what we expect. You, you hear a name, it becomes a everyday popular, uh, you know, for the media to cover and talk about. And then the next year, those guys were in the draft. 
Um, this year, Raekwon Davis and Dylan Moses are the two existing names that uh, have played on the line. Moses is a linebacker. Um, those guys are pretty much the returning defense. I mean, you've got uh, in the secondary, you've got uh, Patrick Sartain and uh, the very fleet-footed Trayvon Diggs. I, I want to personally, I want to watch Patrick Sartain this year because he was a freshman last year and he really stepped up to play at that level. But they, the other teams took advantage of him quite a lot. So I want to keep an eye on him this year. I, I suspect that he's going to be a player that will mature into the position of cornerback. And actually, I expect him to be a star player this year. He, he was a very good player last year. When you go back into who we're going to watch, I think at linebacker, you're probably going to be looking at uh, some names like Markel Benton and Joshua McMillan. Those guys, none of those guys are really well known out in the, the sports media, but uh, but they're both of them are, are established players at the at the lower level below, and they will be good players this year for Bama. Darian Mathis and uh, LeBrian Ray are going to take up the spots on the defensive line that uh, that were left vacant with the NFL draft. And uh, I expect those guys are going to be stars as well. And then in the, in the, uh, in the, uh, I guess at, at safety, the guy to watch is going to be Shaquem Carter end up being, uh, you know, an important player in that secondary. Um, you already have Xavier McKinney back there with experience, but uh, watch for Carter to step it up to the new, to, a, to a new level this year. Uh, I'll stop on defense and let you guys talk uh, if you wish, or I can go on with offense if you'd like. Well, can you keep it to one player on offense? Uh, I'm going to go one player – Tua, you know, broke all the Bama records last year by by carrying, passing the ball 4,000 yards and 43 touchdowns. He was four yards shy of 4,000. And I'm going to say that his receiving core is going to be the most fun to watch this year. Jerry Judy uh, averaged 19.3 yards per catch last year, and he's going to be an absolute star again this year. Ruggs, Waddle, and uh, Devontae Smith. Uh, it'll be another fun year, and the aerial show is going to be impressive as long as we have an offensive line, which at this moment is a one-returner kind of unknown balance of the line. So if they give him the time to throw, then Tua will have another uh, Heisman year, I believe. I like how I gave you, like, one guy, and you still turned it into three or four guys. But – they're all five-star players, and, you know, it's hard to – it's a team, man. I'm telling you, it's hard to look at them and go, there's just one guy. At Bama, they are reloading, you know, uh, year after year after year, and these guys are all incredible. Back front, watch Trey Sanders. He's a freshman. Uh, I, I don't think many people know about him, but I believe Trey Sanders will be a big name for Bama by the end of the season on offense. Fair enough. All right. Well, Artem, if I give you the time to talk, are you going to list off the whole team, or uh, you think you can keep it to a few players? I'll surprise you. <laughs> All right, go ahead. 
It's going to be a little bit of a different, interesting year because usually we're looking at different positions at A&M that need a little bit of help and some other positions are solidified. I, I started off with, I think, in the pre-Sumlin era, whatever that dude's name was, went to the NFL, coached the Packers. Um, and then the Sumlin era, we weren't really worried about quarterback. Quarterback is a, a decent position. We had some good wide receivers with Mike Evans, so we weren't really worried about wide receivers were more about offensive line defensive line i'd say that's the least of my concerns after last year and going into next year which is a surprise the one kind of lingering problem is linebacker um the reason i brought up the the offensive defensive line before is recruiting is is a weird thing so if the coach before you doesn't recruit a certain position well, you're kind of stuck with this problem until you out-recruit that position and bring in freshmen that can play better than your your current guys and then finally build depth, which is what Bama has, something Pat talked about. They're constantly reload the next guy up, and the next guy was either sitting there or he played a different half of a half of a different game, and they weren't really worried. So when a new guy comes in, he's not really a new guy. He probably played a lot of backup time. At AM, I wouldn't say that's the case. So on defense, we're worried about linebackers, cornerbacks, just because the cornerbacks we had are too slow. So in the in the past, we didn't have guys that are talented enough. Now we have guys that are talented enough, but they're too slow. So I'm looking at Elijah Blades, who's the number one JUCO corner that we stole from Oregon at the last second, and see how he can earn some playing time, as well as eric young which is a top corner in the state of texas and see if either of them can break through the depth chart and play a little bit i'm also looking at linebackers uh, you got buddy johnson coming back but both of the other uh linebackers either graduated out and got drafted or got drafted so there's there's some depth to fill there the good thing is the defensive line is deep and has a lot of experience so you can kind of allow for a little bit of inexperience in the linebacking core looking at andre white there Keyshawn Brown, I heard, was doing real good. So these freshmen are coming in once again in in the first like early games. It'll be interesting to see how much time they get and who beats them out for starting minutes. Because there's definitely room there, um, especially with Hines and Okiki coming back from injury. Those are the two uh, sophomore juniors um, that are should be ahead, but they were injured all of last season. So if if uh, they're healthy, they'll probably play. But if not, we still got to either build up or have the new guys start. On offense, I'm not worried about wide receiver at all. It's pretty much the same guys coming back. I'm not really worried about running back because it's going to be running back by committee. I do want to see what Kellen Mond does in his 30. When he came in as part of kind of the Sumlin, Sumlin crew, he got kind of thrown into playing time, and he didn't really do well because he was a true freshman. He didn't really expect to play. He had Starkle ahead of him. He had another uh, a guy ahead of him. And he kind of was forced into action, and you could see his development from that year into this first Jimbo year, his second year of playing. So I'm interested to see how much further Mond develops, but I'm also looking at the tight end position. The tight end wasn't really a big position pre-Jimbo. It was essentially a, a flex wide receiver that sometimes chipped a defensive end, um, but most of the time it was you know five wide receivers, four wide receivers, and there really wasn't a tight end, although that was on the, on the roster. They didn't really play much. There wasn't a lot of sets for them. So with Jimbo coming in, having to recruit the tight end a lot, um, we finally have depth, somebody coming back who has played before a tight end. But this guy was a third stringer last year. Both of the first stringers left. So we have a Glenn Beal, 
coming back. He's going to be a sophomore year. He's a big dude. He's more of a blocker, though. So I'm looking at kind of the new guy and see how much action he can do. Gotcha. I can relate on that because Georgia Tech never had any tight ends, so I, I, I got to start watching that position now. <laughs> yeah, we pulled a guy named Baylor Cup, and he's the number one tight end in the country, or he ended up being so. Um, after a week, centered an offer and landed him. His rankings went way up. He's a big dude, 6'6", 240. So it'll be interesting to see how much time playing time he gets as a true freshman with only a sophomore ahead of him who didn't really catch many passes, and he's a true pass-catching tight end. So I'm really looking at that one. And then one more guy I'm interested in is DeMarvin Leal. He's a five-star defensive end slash defensive tackle. He's got a lot of speed. He showed a lot of toughness in camp, but he tore his meniscus in the spring. So he's really good. Was I just want to see if he gets any playing time early on um, because we do need some speed at defensive end. Gotcha. Uh, all right. Well, if we're done talking about the players, let's get to – the games they are going to perform in. What's the big game for y'all this year as fans? What's the one that you got to keep an eye on? Pat, I'll start with you. I mean, no, no, no. We're not allowing you to talk about the playoff, and we're not allowing you to talk about the SEC championship games that are currently on the schedule. What's the one that you got highlighted? No, uh, the LSU game gets my attention every year. It's because it's a traditional robbery. If I choose to attend and only had one choice to make, it would always be the LSU game. I think they've matured their uh, their 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 offense uh, considerably this year. They played everyone well last year under a relatively new leadership group. I think that they're solidifying their program, and uh, I do believe that they will be a uh, them. You know, they will be a, a, a team to reckon with. It's funny because I actually think Artem's going to have a very similar answer to that question. Artem, is that is LSU also the game you have highlighted on your calendar? Not at all. Come back really? to me when you're ready. Oh, really? Well, you were just talking about them all. All earlier in the cast. All right, who who is the one you got highlighted? Georgia. Ooh. Well, I am definitely excited to see y'all beat Georgia, if that's possible. But uh, do you care to tell me more? Yeah, you know, as a traditional – traditional is the wrong word. As a member of the SEC West, you got to put the SEC East down as much as possible. And it's just another one of those big opportunities – to take a top SEC East team and shove their face in the trap. We'll always have another chance to beat LSU, another chance to beat Bama, probably Clemson in the playoff at some point. But Georgia, that's a once-in-a-lifetime. It's, what, another seven at least years until we Yeah, I think eight or so years. That's about right. Also, F those guys. They're the Texas of Georgia. Are you just saying that because Texas beat Georgia, so now y'all got to prove yourselves? Is that how that works? No, not at all. I think everybody knows Georgia is a baby and couldn't play in a game because, wow, they didn't make the playoff. So that was like a sour victory, whatever you want. Look, man, I'm not going to disagree with you. Any, You know what? Say, say what you will about Georgia. I'm never going to disagree with any of that stuff. All right, well – with that in mind, uh, I guess 
This is kind of, I, I'll go ahead and touch on my team uh, real quick. I'm just going to give the answer that Andrew, I think, would give, and that Citadel uh, is probably going to be the game we want to watch because it's the one game we're going to definitely win. Uh, honestly, the game that I've got highlighted, though, will probably be USF. It's still early in the year. Um, unlike Temple, we're playing a team that's got their coach back, that is beatable. We kind of lost in, I would consider, uh, a slap-in-the-face kind of uh, fashion, losing on two kick returns, essentially, last year. We definitely want some vengeance. This is a team that's coming back, and I think it really sets the pace for the rest of the year. You're going to ignore the Clemson game at the start, the second game of the year, USF going into Citadel. You can get those two wins and then go on an off week and go at Temple, win that game. It really sets the pace for your rest of your season going into the chunk of the ACC schedule. So I would really keep an eye on if uh, you're outside of the Georgia Tech fan base, I would keep an eye on the USF game. But if you are a Georgia Tech fan, I think the game you got highlighted is Citadel because it's the only game that you absolutely know we're going to win this year. Uh, <laughs> fun thoughts, uh, talking to the other two teams here. So I guess now that we've got the game that you've definitely got on the schedule out of the way, let's go ahead and talk about what team, regardless of your schedule, do you think is going to impact your season the most? So I guess for Alabama... We already kind of talked about how Clemson is the focus of this year. And really, if you don't beat Clemson, that's your thing. But I want to start with you, Artem. Um, for Yeah, I know. For Texas A&M, what is, the, uh, what is the team that you're looking at as far as a team that could – it could be any team out there. What's the biggest team that you've got uh, impacting your season? Alabama, for sure. For a different reason than you might think, though. They they have a lot of analyst talent. And any team that plays Bama, if you look at how that team performs, they kind of drop in the several games after that. And the reason for that is their guys are so good at analyzing what you do that they will find the most minuscule hint of what is coming on the play based on how your feet are aligned or what position your feet are set in or just small gestures that you do. And I'm not talking about play calls that can change game to game. I'm talking, you know, they can tell if it's going to be a run or a pass play and relatively find out what play you're going to run based on your formation from that. Um, I'm a little worried about that one because going it, playing that game is going to be tough. I mean, it's always going to be tough. But the games after that, we got Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and almost immediately the the next two weeks after that, both SEC matchups. And, you know, usually you drop a game after playing Alabama, and hopefully we don't lose to the state of Mississippi after that. I think the key thing is even if we lose to Bama, go in, both be both Mississippi, Mississippi State, use ETSA as a recouper, and go along with the rest of the year. So I'm a little worried about that just because you can get beat up. They'll reveal to everybody kind of what your signal calling is because everybody else will start use, kind of using that against you. So hopefully we counteract that in the game after that, change up some of the play calls we do, get some new plays in, and uh, try to hide our kind of uh, idiosyncrasies on each play. All right. 
I mean, I think Bama sets a good pace for pretty much everybody in the SEC. Well, going to the Bama perspective, I guess, Dad, we talked about Clemson earlier in the cast. Is that the team that you're focused on? No, I think Clemson's going to always be there. They're 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 at the uh, kind of a pinnacle of their program. They're recruiting well. They've got uh, quality coaches, and I think they've learned how to win in the big games. And they've they've demonstrated it very well last well last year by taking us to the woodshed. Uh, I do think that they are one of the focuses. But what strikes me as unusual this year is that Bama on the schedule has two bye weeks. And, uh, you know, you just don't usually see that. But we have that early stretch where we play New Mexico State and and we play Duke as the opener and then New Mexico State and then South Carolina, Ole Miss, which none of those are really – strong competitors for us and then uh, and then we have a bye week on the 5th of October and then we hit a stretch where we have three tough games in a row starting with Texas A&M and you know I'd be amiss if I didn't say that's probably uh, you know one of the real challenge games for us too um, they have a great program invested in the to develop the talent uh they, they have anything they want at that school, uh, just like Bama, uh, to build their program. Texas A&M, then Tennessee, then Arkansas, and then we jump back to another bye. So that, that three-game stretch in between the two bye weeks is probably the real first test for us. What happens in that three-game stretch will probably determine how we do in – and then, of course, we will keep our eye on Clemson. And uh, I don't know, I guess we'll play Georgia again, or who knows, maybe Florida, uh, if we get to the SEC championship game. I have, uh, I have a theory that really the team we should be keeping our eye on, as a partial Bama fan as well, the team we should be keeping our eye on is probably going to be Georgia. I don't see another team coming out of the East, regardless of what uh, – I think I don't know who Georgia's other crossover game is, but regardless of what happens with Texas A&M, I don't see a team coming out of the East that isn't Georgia, and I think that's going to be another matchup that might determine who ends up in the playoff. Uh, if Bama rolls in with one loss, then loses to Georgia in the SEC championship game, uh, you might not be making it to a playoff game, and that's a scary thought for me for multiple reasons. So... I think George is the one that you got to keep an eye on, assuming they don't lose more players to uh, off the field antics. I think they're looking to be a very strong contender this year, and uh, it's very frustrating for me uh, to. to... I, I, I stop right there and say that that's been George's Achilles' heel for years and years and years. Uh, they they have the off the field activity, and they have an uncontrolled number of uh, penalties in the game for um, uh, completely unnecessary uh, cheap shots. And, I mean, call it what it is. I mean, uh, I think the the style that they play hurts them uh, year after year after year. And I think Kirby is working on pulling that down and getting it under control. But it's, it's part of the heritage of the Georgia program is to play that uh, – 
a super aggressive style. You know, they show it in the the way their fans come to the game in their in their in their uh, you know, uh, and uh, I just think that's probably. I, I think Georgia's a tough team, and they will always be with a coach like uh, Kirby. But uh, but I think that they really outdo themselves, and they haven't learned not to do that yet. So I, I worry about them a little less because they tend to hurt themselves. Huh. Well, that's a that's an interesting way to put it, but that's uh, that's certainly what's been keeping them out of the playoffs the past few years, it seems like. Uh, well, now we're on to... I guess the big question, what is the goal for your team uh, this year? I think I know what Bama's goal is. I pretty much, if uh, being a Bama fan for the past two decades, I think I've got a pretty, three decades coming on, uh, I think i got a pretty good idea of what Bama's goal is. But, Artem, let's start with you, Texas A&M. What would be a reasonable goal for you all this year, and what do you got to do to hit that goal? I think an achievable goal is probably going 10 and 3. But I would like to see us go for 11 wins. 11. That's 10 and 3 with a bowl game. So I would like to see us go for 11 and 2 and kind of take that next step. Out of the out of our entire schedule, I would say the toughest four opponents are Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, and LSU. And I think an achievable goal is beating at least one of those four, whatever one it is, in, in whatever fashion that is, because all four of those are going to be tough games. But it's kind of the same conversation we had around LSU last year. LSU was the type of team where I was crapping on them preseason. You remember that. I was like, they're going to lose a lot of talent. They're not going to be very good. All that quarterbacks transferred out. And they went out and won 10 and they went 10 and three. And, they had a very tough schedule. So I think uh, A&M has one of the tougher schedules in the country this year with Georgia, LSU, Bama, and Clemson all on the schedule in addition to the rest of the SEC schools. So a challenging goal, and hopefully the goal they have is to win all the games, but in their mind a realistic goal would be to win two of those four, either beating Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, or LSU. And if we win those two, we would go and end in the bowl game. Uh, a New Year's Six bowl game would be within reach, and – hopefully beat our opponent there and go 11-2. and two. I think that would be a great next step. I think this is a very big building year for the school in a sense of I don't expect a championship this year because the schedule is tough. You're not going to win all four of those games. But the following year, our crossover is Vanderbilt instead of Georgia. We still play LSU and Bama, but hopefully by that's this year three, so Jimbo's built up a lot of talent. That would be the, the national championship run year, I would say. Um, this year I don't expect a national championship run, but I think New Year's Six Bowl would be nice. All right. Uh, out of curiosity, since we're still on the topic, which do you think of those four is the most likely to win uh, for Texas A&M? Uh, I think I'll answer the opposite. I think the least likely win is Alabama. I think they have, although they – have a lot of players that left from the NFL draft. They don't have that many question marks. A lot of the talent, like I said before, is just reloading. These guys have played minutes before, and it's Saban. He's going to coach them up. He's going to make sure they're going to play, just like uh, Pat said, Sutton or Certain uh, played minutes, and he was a true freshman. Uh, good kid, gave up a lot of big plays, but 
he still played all year, and this year he's going to be good. So I would say Alabama is probably the least likely for us to win. I would say Clemson is a lot more likely than a lot of people think just because they lost their entire defensive line, and that was the strength of their team last year. So sure, you know, Goldilocks is coming back at quarterback, but we're also better on the back end or on the secondary, and we reloaded and other options. So our defensive coordinator is going to be able to plan for that. I think that's a winnable game with that whole defensive line gone. I think LSU having that mentality of already beating them makes that game a lot easier. Although yeah. it is in Death Valley, so that also makes it a little harder. But now we know we can win. It's a lot easier to coach when teams know they can win and kind of keep continuing that tradition. And then Georgia, honestly, like the way they finished this past year against Texas, they did not want to be there. They didn't want to play. So honestly, that's the second to last game. That's right before Georgia Tech. Hopefully we hand them a huge L. They're really emotional, and they lose to you guys too. So yeah. I, I would say... Clemson's the most winnable, Georgia, LSU, and then Alabama least winnable. All right, fair enough. I mean, honestly, I do agree with you as far as Clemson goes. I think it's more beatable than you think. But it's kind of like how we were talking about, uh, I think, Bama last year where it's like this is the worst Bama team we've seen in five years. But that's not saying much because that still is like, what, the top – one or two teams in the country. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's kind of what you're dealing with with Clemson. Problem is, we always play Bama middle of the season in October, and by that point, it doesn't matter. You have six or seven games experience under your belt, whereas Clemson's game two for us, and we purposely scheduled our first game two days earlier so we could have some more time to prepare and recover. That's funny. We we you'll get our sloppy yeah you get our sloppy seconds and we get your sloppy seconds with Georgia. That's weird. Anyway, <laughs> alrighty. Um, so Pat, Bama national championship. Am I wrong? Uh, I think they're going to contend. I mean, they have the players, they have the coaches. You never know. I mean, I think all the distractions that have started occurring toward the year end, especially with the rotating coaching staff, that's hard because the players depend upon the consistency of their leadership. And uh, when they know that those guys are leaving in advance, it definitely has an impact on them. And I think it's hard to have. They commit their heart and soul to what these coaches ask them to do and really perform to to the level of expectation. But when you know that expectation is going away, there's something uh, – I think there's a soft point there that may may actually be one of the, the real hurts for the Bama program. I don't know if there's a solution for. Hmm. Well, I mean, I was expecting you to be more gung-ho about it, but uh, it sounds like you're a little trepidatious going into this year. You know, Bama fans are just like that. They are cautious about every game. I guess as a, a selfish Bama fan, my goal would be to get out of three games without injuries to key players. That would be Duke, New Mexico State, and Western Carolina. And for the life of me, I never understand why we put games like that on our schedule. I, I mean, I understand why, but... There's so many times where we go into a game like that, and once the game gets out of control, you see a player on the opposing team take a cheap shot at somebody who's NFL quality, 
and and maybe put them out for the season or the year, you know, or, or whatever. I mean, I just I worry about those games as a fan more than any other any other games that I worry about. I, I think the uh, probably just from the one I don't want to lose every year, of course, is the Auburn game because they are relentless. And uh, I think if you haven't lived or grown up in Alabama, you really can't understand that. And I know that Georgia Tech Georgia is probably similar. Uh, in a lot of ways, but uh, there's a level that goes on with that uh, Alabama-Auburn Iron Bowl rivalry that just is hard to surpass in any field. Uh, I, I just don't ever want to lose that game. So, No, I totally understand. I mean, uh, uh, the Auburn is one of those weird roller coaster teams where it's like you can never make out – what exactly they're going to be, but they're always on the top of their game for that Alabama game, and they play their hearts out. Uh, doesn't matter. You know, I would. Ex- I'm sorry to interrupt, but uh, I would explain it like this: Auburn has a hook in the social media and in the sports media, and they get touted year after year after year as a contender before the season starts, and then they get into their uh, mediocrity of their play. Uh, as they go through the first part of their season, which they somehow always do. They have good players and good talent. They just don't uh, play up to that level. And I don't know if it's because they get overexposed to the accolades at the beginning, uh, but it could have something to do with it. The uh, high expectations, and they go win a couple of games, and they think it'll be a cakewalk. Um, But they never, ever do anything that – play way over expectations when they play Alabama. They just simply, it's its their, they play the Super Bowl every year at the Iron Bowl, you know? I mean, they got to. That's They know they got a shot at the national championship. And like you said, a lot of, pretty much every team plays up to play Alabama, but Auburn takes that rivalry to a whole other level. They, they really do. Um, it's, I, w- I would say that Georgia Tech-Georgia is very similar in attitude. I think the hatred there is for real. But uh, I'd be lying if I said we were competitive every year. Auburn finds a way to be competitive. Even if doesn't matter if they're a one-win team or an 11-win team, they always come into that game with a reckless fury that is hard to beat down. Um. And, uh, well, since we talked about the uh, clean old-fashioned hate, I I would say for Georgia Tech, our goal is just to make a bowl game. If we can make a bowl game, I know all my our, our fans would be ecstatic because uh, whenever you bring in a new coach, especially coming off of a totally different offensive system, uh, not running the flex bone anymore or the wishbone or whatever you want to call it, we're running a pro style, I believe. Uh, actually, pretty. We're running a pretty similar out of the gun style to what Auburn runs with Gus Malzahn, the way that he coaches. So that would be interesting to see. But whenever you go into that kind of change up, uh, you're obviously going to see a lot of a drop off. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean. If we can beat USF, Citadel, and Temple, then we got three wins, and then we just got to scrounge up three more against a team like Duke or Pitt or Virginia, maybe NC State, UNC. 
if we can pull that off, uh, all our fans would be very happy. But I think realistically, we're probably looking at a 3-4 win season. Um, but we'll see what happens. I mean, Paul Johnson surprised everybody his first year and won 10 games. You never know. Um, all right, guys. Well, I think that's the end of all my big questionnaires. I guess I'm just going to wrap this up with, do you have any other thoughts that you want to bring up going into the next this season as far as what you uh, want to say maybe to the team or to the fans, anything that you just want to get out off your chest to make you feel better going into the year? And uh, I'll start with you, Pat. What what do you do? You have any thoughts going into the season? You know what? I'm on a sidebar right here, just because I won't get another chance before you close. But uh, I want to mention Vandy winning the uh, baseball national title and say congrats to their fans because that was a way big accomplishment for them. So I am uh, I'm thrilled for them to have played their way through the SEC and then come out on top. Uh, but as far as I'm uh, wishing for Bama, I- I'm wishing that they'll have an offensive line that will gel and uh, and come together and give the, the, the quarterback and the receivers and the running backs the chance to actually do what they're talented enough to do. I think it's going to be ridiculous for the opponents to try to uh, guess with a receiving core four deep that uh, could, could be in the NFL already. Uh, a quarterback that set all the records in, at Alabama last year. Um, and then you turn around and you put the running backs in the backfield that Bama has. Najee Harris didn't get mentioned yet. Harris is a ridiculous talent, and he's going to run over people all season long. Uh, you know, once they start playing on their heels for the pass, he's going to run through them just like Swiss cheese. So. I love what Bama's doing. I hope their offensive line gels and that they actually get the chance to show what they're really capable of this year. A tiny bit about their defense, but I see that group year after year after year uh, with new players coming through. And uh, so I worry a little less, particularly because Saban is the defensive, the true defensive uh, coordinator Bama. And uh, but I'll tell you, I'm, I'm really thrilled overall that we play in one of the tightest conferences and in the tightest half of the conference. I think adding Texas A&M to the Western Division really, really made it a, a competitive group. So I'm just I'm really excited about the year. I'm already watching the replays of prior year's games uh, leading up to it, and. Uh, just about as excited watching a replay game as having seen it live. And I'm just looking forward to the season. I should, should be a great year. <laughs> I mean, I'm already pumped up just listening to you. So, Artem, one of those games I hope is the seven-overtime game between LSU and Texas A&M. But, Artem, do you got any thoughts going into the season? Yeah, this is kind of the first year since Johnny Football's freshman year, which was – seven years ago now to date myself because that was a year after I graduated that there's no question who the starting quarterback is on our team since Johnny football left and since his sophomore year there has been a, a, a retro sophomore year it's been a question about who's starting who's gonna win the battle Kellen Mond is that quarterback it's his third year I'm excited to see what that kid can do I wasn't a huge fan of him the last two years but honestly last year 
no matter what the rest of the stats show, that kid knows how to win games and he's a competitor. So hopefully he has another big step forward and he's, you know, one of those, I would say non-traditional quarterbacks because he's not very accurate. He's uh, like Dobbs who Tennessee had a while ago. The kid just knows how to win games and he will stay with it. His wide receivers want to play for him. His players want to play around him. So I'm excited to see what he can do this year, uh, how many games he can win. Kind of, um, I, I think one moment really summarized Fisher's already coaching tenure at A&M for me, and it was before an official game was ever played. It was during the spring game, uh, right before it was Jim, Jimbo Fisher got welcomed in, they went through a spring practice, they started a spring game, and, you know, just going through the general, you know, white versus maroon playing uh, teams, two two teams playing each other. And I've literally never seen somebody fight so hard in a spring game, both sides of the team, especially when you're on the same side. We had uh, one of the teams, maroon or white, blocked a field goal, extra point, not even a field goal, an extra point because the kickers were kicking. And there were at least nine guys trying to run and pick up the ball and then carry it into the end zone or carry it back for a pick six during a spring game, including the kicker who almost got hurt in the process. It's really stupid, but that kind of, out of anything else that happened last year, set a good precedent for me of what to expect out of A&M football going forward with Jimbo Fisher there. So I'm excited for year two because of that. Because last year did prove exactly what I thought it would be. I wasn't too disappointed in the games we lost because our guys actually fought hard. Um, and I'm expecting to see more of that, including from Calamond in the year two of the Jimbo Fisher era. I mean, I tell you what, over there, Jimbo Fisher is behind the wheel of a Mustang. He's going to gun that thing, you know. He's got he's got a well-oiled machine. He can drive it. Um, as far as Georgia Tech, I guess I would take the opposite perspective here really quick. I mean – so rather than hard work in our spring game, what I saw with Jeff Collins was – so I don't have a problem with Paul Johnson. He was a good guy, but he took a very serious approach to how he played the game. He expected – he was kind of like Saban in a way. He was very militaristic. He expected certain stuff out of you, and he wanted to see that. What Jeff Collins is taking a different approach. Uh, he had a lot of fun in our spring game. I mean, I don't expect that many people actually went out and watched it, but – uh, we had kids doing Lambo leaps. We had kids celebrating on the field. They had a trick play where they threw to our offensive coordinator, and he actually ended up getting sacked. But had he gotten the pass off, the plan was for him to throw to Calvin Johnson in the end zone and have him catch it for a touchdown. So uh, that that would have been crazy. I, I mean, I guess the thing that I'm getting at here is I'm looking forward to see what our players can do when they're allowed to actually go out and have a good time. I think that's some of the fun about college football for me is when your players aren't just out there for the money, they're out there to for the fun of the game and to have a good time and to try and enjoy these wins and losses and just the experience of playing a full year of college football. And that's what I'm really looking forward to in the Jeff Collins era, and I hope he can continue to deliver that. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that's all we got for this cast. Um, guys, thank you, as always, for joining me. And to our listeners, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we will see you next time. Have a good rest of your night. Bye-bye, everybody. <laughs>